0: Hello from the Financial Times in London. I'm Josh Noble, weekend news editor, and this is News and Focus where we offer insights into the stories that matter. Chinese car maker Geely is taking a minority stake in German flying taxi startup Volocopter. It's second investment in Europe's largest economy after it bought into Mercedes-Benz owner Daimler last year. Here with me to discuss this is our motor industry correspondent Peter Campbell and our global tech correspondent Tim Bradshaw.
1: We're very proud to have shown for the first time the operation of an air taxi at an international airport. And this has been part of a European-funded technology development project that aims to integrate drones, air taxis, and legacy aircraft into the same airspace.
0: We just heard a clip from Jan Hendrik Bolens, Chief Technology Officer of Volocopter, talking about the successful test flight of its air taxi that took place in Helsinki last month. Peter, tell us first about Volocopter Just how far along is it in developing an actual
1: flying taxi? So Volocopter is one of the many companies around the world that's trying to use electric motors and electric technology to produce what are effectively small electric helicopters that can be used for taxi service. Its aim is to bring Volocity, that's its fourth generation prototype, to the market within the next three years that vehicle will carry two passengers and a reasonably decent amount of luggage. But obviously, before they can get to market, as well as the technology itself having to be proven and finished and finalised, there are also obviously regulations that will have to be passed that will permit these things to be allowed to fly in public space. Who else is backing the company? And is this money from Geely going to make any difference? So Volocopter has a series of backers at the moment. These include Daimler, the German car maker that owns Mercedes-Benz, and Intel. Geely put in just under half of a €50 million euro round that Volocopter just finished raising. That's quite a lot of money. Volocopter so far has raised about €85 million. Euros. So that money will go towards helping Volocopter bring its product to market and getting it ready for launch in about three years. So it's getting the money from Geely. Is
0: there anything else that a car company can contribute to a flying taxi company seeing as they're pretty different technologies?
1: So Geely is owned by Li Shifu, who's a Chinese billionaire, who also owns a lot of other companies, including Volvo Cars and Lotus, and another flying car company called Terrafugia, which he bought a couple of years ago. But what they want to do together is to try and launch some of these services in China. Now, Li Shifu is well known for having reasonably close links with the Chinese government. And so it's possible when they're looking at getting regulation that would allow uh, volocopters to operate in China, that Li Shifu will help pave the way for that. So it's certainly hoped that both companies will be able to benefit each other by their partnership. We've seen in the past some disquiet in Germany about Chinese
0: companies buying technology companies in Germany. With Geely already having a stake in Daimler, is there going to be any kind of concern here about technology from Volocopter being transferred back to
1: China? Geely's investment in Daimler was enormously controversial, caused huge political backlash in Germany. It was seen as the Chinese swooping on one of Germany's industrial crown jewels, and there was huge concern at the time about Geely wanting to get access to Daimler's technology and taking it back to China for its own purposes. Now, Volocopter here has said as part of this deal that there'll be absolutely no technology transfer involved in this. It's purely a financial matter and they may work together to try and launch services in China. But certainly for people in Germany looking at German developed technology, whether that's Daimler's cars or whether that's Volocopter's electric taxis, there is still very much an open question and a lot of open concern about whether or not Chinese investment in them is ultimately a good thing. So Tim, flying taxis are the sort of thing we imagine in Blade Runner
0: and Back to the Future and things like that. How far off are we from this being an actual day-to-day technology that we see in our cities? Well, if you ask Uber,
2: four years. They've been actually running this conference called Uber Elevate, which has, I think, been on its third iteration now. And they've said that they reckon they can launch a flying taxi service by 2023. And they have been trying to corral the industry around that goal for a few reasons. One of them... It's a lot more exciting than talking about how much money they don't make in ride hailing and the troubles that they're having with the drivers or employees or contractors. But also it's a service that lends itself quite well to being a shared thing. They're very, very expensive, these vehicles, and they tend to not go that far at the moment. The term in the industry is electric vertical takeoff and landing, EV toll, very catchy. And that's mainly good for hops from, say, New Jersey to Manhattan or across the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. And so they're trying to set up this area, this sort of skyports. And Uber is trying to convince people that if there is enough investment in the infrastructure and in a sort of shared vehicle system, this is something that could be commercially viable within a few years. But they are relying entirely on third parties to actually build those vehicles for them. Uber itself is not doing this.
0: So... Beyond Volocopter, who else is going to be building anything like this for Uber? There's quite a number of people. Some
2: of them are startups and some of them are big aerospace companies. Airbus and Boeing have flirted with this idea in their innovations division. But there's also Lilium, which is another European venture. There's a company called Kitty Hawk, which is backed by Larry Page, the founder of Google. There's another company in Silicon Valley called Joby Aviation, which has tried to be quite secretive. We don't quite know where all of these companies are up to, Um, but there are a lot of... People coming out of the sort of private jet, small aircraft kind of area that are trying to figure out if electric and the sort of versatility that comes with being able to take off vertically can create a new market that will effectively expand what is at the moment just an elite product.
0: So, yeah, it sounds like quite a crowded market considering it's so far non-existent. I mean, will this just be pitched at the kind of CEO billionaire mega rich or is there some kind of expectation that we'll all be hopping in flying ubers in 10 years time
2: it's got various expressions of interest from cities that want to look like they're being forward-looking innovative to introduce a series of vertiports on top of buildings they may look like helipads but they call them vertiports. they sound like helip- uh, <laughs> Maybe yes. they
0: have a, a v instead of an h on them. right
2: and yeah and only with with that sort of scale the thing that will really make it affordable is if you can make these things fly themselves if you can take the pilot out of the equation, then actually that brings the cost down quite a lot. But that seems certainly on a safety and technological capability point a lot more than just a few years away.
1: And one of the potential reasons that people are trying to develop these is not just passenger transport, which we talked about, but also deliveries and goods. And Amazon has talked about having clusters of drones around the city. That means they could be much smaller. That makes them much easier to engineer. and makes the payback on them easier. And you avoid some of the safety issues. But obviously, the lack of current regulation around these is still a huge barrier because there's a lot of airspace before you get to areas that are regulated by traditional air traffic control. And it's thought drones will fly in that area. And do you need a separate regulator for them? Them and how do they talk to each other and how do they avoid crashing into each other? And then there's the obvious issue that if your car breaks down on the road, you put it over to the side of the road. But if your drone in midair breaks down, it'll come crashing down on a building or even worse, possibly on someone's head. The industry
2: tries to argue that that's why we have the safety checks that we have at airports and that you can sort of bring an element of that maintenance and safety to a short hop from one building to another in a city I struggle to see how the cost of that scale but the only thing I'd say on Amazon Prime Air is that things have gone awfully quiet on that they were supposed to be testing it in the UK and we've not heard anything about that for more than a year I think so I'm not sure where they're up to with the delivery end of it never mind
0: people the other thing also is presumably as we've learned from self-driving car technology developing the software is sort of stage one Developing the hardware perhaps is stage two, but actually getting something on the road that people are willing to sit in the back of and fly down the motorway at 70 miles an hour is a long way down the road. And that's before you're even talking about being 200 feet in
1: the air. One of the most difficult things about self-driving cars is not just the technology that allows the car to move autonomously and detect what's around it. If you remember when you learnt to drive, controlling the car is reasonably easy, but it's predicting what everyone else on the road will do that's very difficult. And that has proved to be one of the biggest barriers for self-driving cars is how do they interact with pedestrians, with other motorists, with children chasing bulls across the road, with pets running out in front of the road, all of these issues. And so trying to work out how drones will talk to each other, how drones will interact with each other, how they'll avoid each other as well as just controlling them, is obviously an enormous barrier. And even once you've got that in place, you still then need to convince a regulator somewhere that these things are safe enough to be allowed, in the case of self-driving cars, either onto the roads or, in the case of drones, into the airs above buildings and streets.
2: Silicon Valley does have an answer to that, which is actually it's less crowded in the air. So it's actually easier to do autonomy in the air than it is on the ground. Whether that actually turns out to be true, I'm not sure. But it certainly seems to be taking a heck of a lot longer to get self-driving cars out in the public world than they promised.
1: Which is one of the reasons that autopilot works on planes, where pilots can let the plane fly itself because the chance of crashing into something is much, much lower than if you're on a street and your car is driving itself and your potential reaction time is much smaller. Whereas autopilot in Teslas? Whereas Autopilot and Teslas is an issue that's been hugely controversial for them because it's a driver safety system where the car will drive itself on the road and stop in front of another vehicle and slow down and steer accordingly. But as we know, it's been mismarketed in various places and people believe they can take their hands off the wheel. And it's even been suggested that the name Autopilot in itself is incredibly misleading as to how much autonomy the vehicle actually has.
0: Right, well, I think the lesson I've drawn is to keep hold of my bus pass for the time being and
1: hope for the best. Thanks, Peter. Thanks,
0: Tim. And thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our episodes on the UK's constitutional crisis, the changes at the heart of the Saudi oil industry, or how Google uses your data, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms.